Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to look at Angela, the miniseries by Neil Gaiman and Greg Capullo from 1995. And uh, part of the reason for that is we've been reading Neil Gaiman's deposition uh, with uh, his case against Todd McFarlane and Angela, of course, the center of that. So it kind of piqued my curiosity and I thought perfect time to uh, dig into this and, and do a reread and give it a look here. Before we do though, we're both cartoonists working cartoonist and ed your next red room series scheduled to come out in december pushed back due to paper shortages and delays in the uh, in the publishing printing realm so this will be coming out in early february and uh available wherever comics are sold red room trigger warnings number one this is the cover to look for everybody and uh due to some ransomware problems at diamond this issue may be the rarest of the Red Room comics, so you are got cut off, yep. going to want to pick this up day one, whenever you see this, wherever you see it, and uh, some cool variant covers to go along with it. Peach Momoko's variant, very awesome. My uh, ongoing series of uh, comic homages, this time to the uh, legendary Robert Crumb and Zap comics. Pretty excited by how that one turned out. So good. And your variant, uh, doing the silhouette stuff. If I ever do a silhouette zine too, Ed, this cover could be could could, could be there. But uh, just to let everybody know again, these are probably going to be one of the uh, more rare red rooms. So look for this in early February, wherever good comics are sold. I am thrilled to announce the book that I've been working on is Hulk Grand Design. This will be coming out in March 2022 and April 2022, two issues. Monster and Madness, covering about 40 years of Incredible Hulk comics in uh, two glorious oversized issues available wherever comics are sold. And uh, for the cartoonist kayfabe audience out there, please help spread the word. If you see articles, if you see previews of this, please share them on your social media. Tell your comic shop owner to uh, order Heavy on Hulk Grand Design. We're going to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Hulk, and Marvel has trusted me to have this nice big book out at that time. So Hulk Grand Design, man, this has been my life for lockdown, and I am so excited to dig into this. But not today. Today we're going to look at Angela, the uh, three-issue miniseries that spins out of Spawn number nine and the popular angel character that Neil Gaiman brings to the Spawn mythos. Nicer times in uh, the Gaiman Todd McFarlane days. Jimmy, I associated Gaiman with McFarlane. Like, I was not reading Sandman uh, at the time. And when Spawn 9 came out, that was the first Neil Gaiman comic I ever read. Uh, they promoted Gaiman's name so big, I never heard of it before. So I was just like, well, if they're promoting his name, he must be somebody because. They, they would do that with Alan Moore, with Frank Miller. I knew those names. I didn't know Gaiman's name. Uh, so when this comes out, uh, when issue 26 comes out, which is like the issue right after Image X Month, uh, the Sylvester issue, I was there for all of that stuff, and I associated it, uh, Neil Gaiman with the McFarlane-verse, or whatever you want to call it. This comic I got for freaking Shop and Save on the newsstand. Man, that's peculiar. There's not even like... UPC codes or anything on here. <laughs> like, yeah, there, I mean, there is, there, um, I bet there is on mine. Could be. Um, I like this cover, by the way. I really like that background. It's also on a newsprint. On That's the, what they would do with yeah. some of that stuff. And talk about weird, like this digital coloring and newsprint. Ooh, those two are not, not a good match. Very muddy. But early Greg Capullo in the Spawn universe as well. Like, yes. This would have been before he was the main Spawn artist, you think, know, if it I, predates Spawn 26. That's about when he starts getting pretty active there, I think. Right. He did a, he did some of that stuff. I think also with Mark Pennington doing the inks 
on the uh, Grant Morrison That's issues. That's right. Yeah, uh, the, the lost issues. The, the, the teens. With whenever the, whenever with the Todd was busy out there doing the uh, Batman crossover for three months. Yeah, man. Yeah, I forgot about that run. That was like his his uh, Greg Capullo trial run, I guess. I was so dismissive of it too like yes. <laughs> like Nick Farlin is the only guy who could draw Spawn and he must have heard that invective Greg Capullo because he adopts the noodles of uh Nick Farlin in such a major way and then his Spawn is dominant Spawn to be like he kind of like supersedes McFarlane's. Yeah, this is before he becomes what I think of as, as him. Yeah. Uh, which may be totally wrong-headed. But, but there but, are germs. Yeah. Like, there are some cool things that we're going to see in here that uh, that that are shades of future uh, Capullo. You know, I'll start with the covers. Like, these are pretty unusual design choices for covers. Um, they aren't my favorite covers, but they do stand out as being different than what most comic books look at to at that time. Totally. Like, ha having this, like... It's it's like there's it allows for negative space, which is something that those covers just don't do. You know, like the like the Image Comics is all about like first off, it's mostly team books. So now you got to get five characters on there battling something, and there's never any room to breathe. So these covers uh, create that. It's a it's a nice touch. It, it'll, it would stand out on the racks for sure at this at this point in time. Yeah, it makes sense. And I wonder who's making that call, if that's something that it, it is up to the artist or who knows. This is that fun stuff when you're a kid too, when you discover an art class that you could do that mirror gimmick where you draw half the thing and then and then uh, mirror it and just trace it off. Joe Quesada would do a bunch of this kind of stuff too, like the ornamental sort of shapes and lines. Yeah. Um, maybe peeking around Ninjak time period or something like that, but I would always associate him with that. And I hated that stuff for like trying to draw it. Like it's one of those things that's like weirdly hard to draw, that ornamental sort of shapes. At least it was for me. Funny to think like the other guys, like Chris Ware. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, such a weird collection of artists to think of that do this sort of motif. You know, I did that uh, that Adult Swim uh, like wrestling show, and there was like some city paper covers and stuff. When you draw uh, the championship belt, like that's where it comes into play too, man. You draw half of it and then flip it. Yeah, right. Uh, I like this cover too, Angela with like the blood, you know, squirting out from whatever she's killing, splashing on her on her knife edge and everything. Pretty uh, kind of a, a pretty radical image. You know, it's um, it's not outlaw exactly with all the bright, shiny colors, but it's pretty violent. She's a warrior for heaven. Yeah, hunt, uh, hunter angel. Uh, Capullo on art, Todd Broker on color. I point that out because it's different colorist on issue two. I think Steve Olaf is on issue two. So keep an eye on these pages as we go through these various <laughs> issues. We know what this is from the deposition. Doing this for his son. Because <laughs> his son is like, saw Spawn comics. Because Spawn was very ubiquitous. It would be at the at the grocery store and stuff. Little Mike Gaiman goes to dad. Hey dad, why don't you do like cool comics like this? Gaiman's like, oh, I did. Like I did issue nine of that. Like, why don't you do some more? And Gaiman's like, okay. Yeah, you hear it with sports, sports uh, people sometimes will come out of retirement because they want their kid to see him play. Wow. Like Mario Lemieux, whenever one of his retirements that he came back from, that was his reasoning. And same with wrestlers. Sometimes you'll see wrestlers. I think Goldberg has had uh, multiple runs with that as the public publicly stated motivation. <laughs> uh, so here we go, man. Off and running. And start out with Angela on the hunt. And 
how many skies have we seen that the colorists do the uh, basically draw the sky? Oh, totally, totally. So it was a staple of this of this era, and like looking at this, like I could tell that it wasn't Steve Olive. I could tell that it wasn't Ruben Rude, and I could tell that it wasn't Joe Chiodo. So, like, when that shit comes back, this fierce color graphics. Also, I wonder if this is one of the... This is that era where Steve Olaf trained a lot of dudes on these weird computer programs that I think he might have even manufactured. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, like, make them sign any cease and... Or um, non-competes. Because, like, why would you think, yes. think that? And then computer color explodes... And all of his like little, it becomes splinter cells off of Steve Olive's Ollie Optics. And in I his wonder if this town. Is, yeah, yeah. It's like one tiny town with like a thousand people, it's and so it has weird. had. I think they, Olive said, it had six computer coloring houses <laughs> in in this town. Mac is looking at their inventory and being like, "What's going on in this town? Yeah. We're selling a lot of computers yeah, so, here." Yeah, Steve Jobs is going like right there, like, "What's going on here?" In uh, fierce color graphics, it's like you just went too far. It you did fierce color or color graphics, but it is the '90s. Really going for it there. It is the '90s, and uh, you know, like it's it's a guy who uh, understands computers in the '90s when it wasn't that user friendly. I don't think he was a fierce fella. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, Angela's birthday, and she's in some intergalactic hunting expedition. Look at those! Like, like those eyes are so cool, simultaneously so cool, and you would never think to draw eyes that that way. I like the. Some of the color doesn't work as well here for me, but I like that she's like having like you know like the, the steam whenever it's cool and you exhale yeah. and you can see your breath. That's what's happening out of her nose here, but it's a little bit lost because it's the same color as the snow. Uh, but I think it's a cool idea. Like if you're drawing this character in a cool environment, that's a fun thing to go for. Capullo uh, is puts some thought into his stuff. Like he he does some things that that are real interesting, and that's like that's a good kind of storytelling touch. Makes no real sense when, when you realize like you know she's she's wearing a thong bikini right out there <laughs> that's true a lot of words a lot of words here neil neil is like i'm getting paid so fucking much i gotta make it look like i'm doing something because what this whole comic is if you broke it down as plot very very thin so like she goes on a hunting expedition she has all the proper permits she slays the dragon the Guards of Heaven or whatever. Show Let me flip, flip along with you. <laughs> <laughs> we could show the intel. She gets put on trial. You know, Spawn shows up as a witness. They have a romp. And then they just get out of it's it. It's like Fing Fang Foom. It is. Now, I think that... Uh, I think that Capullo is responsible for, like, the Violator siblings and stuff. Vindicator, okay. all that. He could draw cool, cool demons. And we're going to see that shit... After she slays the dragon and we see her trophy room, like, we're going to see some some rad stuff. I feel like uh, I don't like the finished art as much on this stuff, but I think the layouts all work. Uh-huh. You know, like, I think he's he's there in terms of storytelling and then, like, that kind of McFarlane-esque noodling that, that he would come to adopt. Um, I think it's not there yet. No, no, no. Like, like I really dislike... When I saw the Greg Capullo logo, like, you know, his signature... I, it would turn me off. Like, I liked his um, X-Force. And then he comes from X-Force over to here. And I was so proprietary about my image comics. Like, I do not want to see Roger Cruz draw Youngblood. And I don't want to see anybody else draw right. uh, Spawn. But, like I said, I he's when he's 
in later periods, like his his spawn is sick. Yeah, this is uh, speaking of X Force. Feels like man, that's a reference to uh, McFarlane's last Spider-Man. Whenever he was censored from from putting Shatterstar's sword through Juggernaut's eye, but I can't imagine Neil Gaiman keeping up with that. Like that may be a Capullo uh, insider joke. Right? I'm glad I'm glad you said that. Uh, Capullo was on Fat Man on Batman with with uh, Kevin Smith, and he's like from the old school. You give me a plot, like don't you dare script shit for me. You tell me what the thing is. You let me lay it out, uh, and good for him because you get good visual flow. Uh, compare this to to like an issue of Sandman that's like heavily written or whatever. Like you got good visual flow, and bombast on every page you know you could tell that this is paced out by by the artist rather than a writer micromanaging everything look at this fun tangent her ribbon goes right into like that thing's tail take a drink every time you hear the you you read the word ribbon by the way in this thing a lot of a lot of ribbon talking here uh i don't mean to get off of that plot thing ed that is amazing i i, I need to I'm curious to listen to that because you know what there's so many comics like i complain about that talking head thing and it comes from you get this script that looks like you're you're writing like you know episode of the week for whatever crime drama you love right and there is no room for cool layouts it's like this character's talking and saying this and this character's talking and saying this and it's laid out in great detail what's in each panel and it really becomes this illustration job that takes away what used to be the skill of the penciler yeah specifically he was talking about because it was fat man on batman it was uh scott snyder's scripts and uh I find, it's been a while since I heard it. it's been years but uh Scott Snyder says something about his like Eisner awards and stuff and Greg Capullo and I'm paraphrasing saying something like and it might be Greg Capullo's wife who's like time to stick his Eisner awards up his fucking ass <laughs> <laughs> guess that collaboration didn't end well well I don't know that I think I think they still kept going on and, and all that kind of stuff but it actually makes me want to see a Greg Capullo Scott Snyder Batman compared to like what other yeah kind of Scott Snyder Batmans might be out there and 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 let, let's compare and contrast it makes so much sense to me that like you want to give that artist as much room as you can to be them and to do what they do well and what they think sounds cool and stuff because it just is a different vision you know if, if, if you write down exactly what you want in each panel it's not necessarily the way that guy thinks the, right. the artist you know the other the other part of that so some cool stuff here is like angela this is your thoughtful artist right kills this dragon but the dragon falls on her and now she spends her time having to crawl out from under it that's kind of a fun little bit of characterization going on and then there's your big money shot right cut off the dragon's head hold it up for your trophy yeah yeah pretty so pretty good. cool looking and that looks right off almost right off your cover of uh a mcfarland spawn number nine you know of angela and, and her big prime shot smiling and covered in blood it's so funny like this her being covered in blood will keep going she gets locked up and put on trial still covered in blood like i was reading this and i was like wait did something happen at the trial that she's blood splattered again see what i saw that right that's there, a big signature man in the middle of the page that would uh send me away man i can't can't read that issue and by the way uh tb putting his initials on there too very proud of his coloring on this <laughs> so here come the angels to arrest her, and this is, I forget what they call it, but it's 330,000 is the number of, of uh, angels. And I think, I think Greg cheated. I don't think they're all there. Could I wonder if that's in the script. 
that number in the script. You know, you always hear about like the terrible, like the writer can write, it's a Civil War battle, you know, 10,000 Confederate soldiers coming over on horses. And then Kyle Baker comes in and is like, listen, you get two. I'll give you 10 <laughs> and two horses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So whether to fight or not is what she's coming up with here. She says 330,000 to one. I've had worse odds. No, I haven't. Oh, hell. And uh, gives herself up, basically, and they all teleport using something called Flux, which allows them to go back to Elysium, where the, boom the angels tube. live. Yeah, Neil Gaiman's uh, invented stuff. So, like, the ribbons are sentient. Much, uh, much like the spawn cost. Exactly. It's a, there's a motif there. Uh, flux is the boom tube that they could travel by, just so that you could, like, get from point A to point B in a 20-page comic and have some things happen. Yeah, my ribbons are still in a state of shock. Take a drink. <laughs> All right, man. So things did not turn out the way she was expecting on her birthday. There's a lot of like attempts at humor in this. Mm -hmm. So as she's being uh, whisked away by 333,000 of them. Yeah, and the repetition, like 333,000. You guys could drink for this too. 333,000, 333,000. Be surprised if she doesn't call it 333,000. But uh, none of them wish her a happy birthday. Yeah. You, can, you could do... A collection of 90s illustrations that are like this kind of splash page there's a lot in uh the joe mad roger cruz era of x-men uh i hate drawing this kind of stuff and i don't think this is a very good page either right uh pretty underwhelmed but if i were doing it it'd be equally terrible and i'd probably spend 10 times longer on it yeah and the, it'd be worse but yeah like hard to make that stuff look cool i always wonder like what what the genesis of that is because it's a very 90s thing you would see it in a lot of like, you know where I, I i'm guessing it comes from like star wars movies you know because they put so much like there would just be some guy tasked with creating whatever it is a ship a space station a planet you know whatever it is you'd have all these concept artists really rendering the hell out of this stuff so you end up with something that looks kind of cool and it's for what one shot right. you know it's like you're established that we're in a new planet area um but if you're the comic book artist like how many times has Greg Capullo drawn something like this? Ever? Is this the only time? And then, and then you know, like, you you look at the best examples and you get your, like, Drulier and Mobius and stuff like that, but, like, nobody gets close to that. It all looks so much more uninspired. And it's actually the finish, like, like, like the inking, the slickness of it, the, the sort of, this kind of inking is like to me it's like corporate stamp inking it's 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 uh it doesn't have the character that you would get especially when it's mcfarland teaming no up with uh, capullo and it's like oh yeah you can see both of their hands in that yeah this is this is kind of a functional un uninspired inking yeah just very functional get the job done which again like a young artist that's what happens it takes time to figure out these things as to like what makes you 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 know what this would uh call to mind if you're finding a good comics example would be the issue of watchmen on Mars, yeah. where like the city's being built and I, they're floating around. I mean, I just imagine that like that's probably like what was in the script. Like, hey, you remember the glass uh, Mars thing? Like, do something like that. There's a uh, city of glasses in there, and it makes me think of David Mazzucchelli's uh, adaptation <laughs> of City of Glass. And this like little piece makes me think of a uh, space battleship Yamamoto. Yeah, there you go. That'd, that'd be another place where you would see a bunch of this stuff would be like Japanese sci-fi anime manga. All right, so she's being accused of treason because... Uh, she didn't have a permit. Right, whenever she, our, our spawn number nine, she lost her, her lance, I yeah. think, is the weapon. And and that was the MacGuffin to get, uh, to get spawn into Cerebus land. Right. Like, that was the whole... 
Yeah, doesn't don't these leaders doesn't the judge know that? See, you could tell that it wasn't Steve Olliff, man, because he does way better lightning bolts. I mean, uh, yeah, th lightning bolts. Hard, hard not to imagine McFarlane looking at this and being like, mm, "You're off I the job, Todd, son." Uh, Todd, although he comes back, he'll be back on issue three. <laughs> he just gets like a one issue penalty. <laughs> but cut to Spawn, nevertheless, and uh, just hanging out. You know, like pretty generic Spawn stuff. A lot of words for not much going on here. And you know what? Like, I think Tom Orzakowski is the credited letterer. And there's actually some pretty bad font choices in, yeah, Orzakowski. in uh, a lot of this. Now, this is kind of spun, but like, it's usually bolder. But when we start getting into some of the angels speak, it's very bad fonts. Yeah, I've got to stop thinking about Wanda. I've got to stop thinking about Wanda. Oh, the going, kind of life I had with Wanda. We're, we're going Miller. I've got to stop thinking about Wanda. Yeah, see, that's that thematic uh, Millerism. Got to stop thinking about Wanda. Maybe you guys drink for that. That's four of them right on this page. <laughs> it's a two-page. See, he, Gaiman thinks in two-page spreads. I find the writing kind of clunky in this. Like, <laughs> Do you? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, after I point that out. But, I mean, I ought to go on Oprah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's this attempted humor that just doesn't make sense with what I think of as Spawn. I don't feel like Spawn's your Spider-Man-esque quipping, you know, as he goes around. And it becomes a buddy comedy. Yes. And that, like, last last issue, it's, it's, it's Spawn and Angela ha having a romp. All right, so these are Angela's angel friends. And they're like, what? Under arrest? We got to do something. We got to help her out. Now, this is, like, her tro trophy room. Shades of Future Capullo. Like, cool composition. Yeah. And interesting designs to these various alien heads like I, I bring that up because i i do think he is the guy that created all those other like violator siblings that would and make stuff. sense and you know that like that's the guy to do it and you see your medieval spawn a, another piece of the uh deposition, deposition baby <laughs> but angela you know legendary hunter even in in elysium and mostly she bagged a spawn already yeah man that's that's rare stuff they don't all get to do that you know, even stripping her of the spawn uh, earrings or, or tokens, you know, the, the from her successful hunts. Just taking taking the dog tags from from her from her kills, man. Like I, th I thought that that was badass. It's kind of a cool thing too, because it's like we're getting you ready for trial, and uh, it's a frame job. Yeah. You know, we want to convict you, so let's remove your uh, nicest trophies. We don't need those to uh, influence a jury or a judge. Yeah. And this is such a weird, I got, I, whenever I first saw this, I was like, what the hell? Where do those stairs go? They go nowhere. And then whenever you get the, like the long shot of the, uh, of her, I don't know, apartment or house or whatever, it's just stairs everywhere. You know, these floating staircases. You know what this shit is, man? This is life, death, Barry Windsor Smith, X-Men forge, uh, mansion, uh, motif right there, man. That's what they were looking at. Capullo. That's that, uh, according to Jim Shooter, you know, selling double in the direct market. Everybody picked up those those Barry Windsor Smith X-Men. Yeah, man. <laughs> well covered Great territory issues. there. All right, so there's your your additional characters. And then this is the person, the director from Spawn number nine, who like runs the Earth portal for, for these angels. And uh, she's the one who's pointing out the traitorous actions of Angela. And back to spawn on Earth in his alley, sulking. Talk about a character that's like not doing anything. <laughs> Created like a cool like throne of rags and feces. Yeah, I don't think I want to sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> you might get hepatitis or tetanus or something. 
All right, so the angels, Angela's friends show up, and they're like, uh, we're, we're going to take you to heaven. That part kind of is cool, makes sense. You know, I like this gimmick of, like, heaven and hell and angels and all of that stuff all sounds pretty good to me, and that's what we're on pace with at the end of the issue. And a pinup by Sean Parsons and Brad Gorby. Gorby I knew from Parts Unknown. I can't remember if that was Eclipse or Eternity or one of those, those. But, you know, once I started reading indie comics, you would hear about these guys who were good or had talent. And Gorby was a guy that worked with Bo Smith on Parts Unknown and was kind of known as, like, you know, the best guy that's not working at Marvel or DC. And it seemed like McFarlane, he was on his radar. He'd get pinups out of him. But I don't know if he ever did any uh, any substantial comics. The first official Todd Toys photo gallery, fall 1994. Issue 3, we're going to read the uh, letters from people who are like, I think Todd Toys are running sweatshops. What is this? What is <laughs> happening here? And, uh, like, really calling him to task, like critical stuff. So this is the basis of that letter. I'm surprised he would he would print those letters. Yeah, it's it, it, it's hard to tell, like, where his attention was, right? You know, like, I think this speaks to, like, the toys just exploded. I think one of these, the, there's information about how they're going to be shipping to all these different countries now, like Todd Toys going international. So, And I think this is still first year of Todd Toys, well, which is it, well, another it's, one well, that... It's, um, Todd, it's Todd Toys. It becomes uh, McFarlane. Right, but it's like year one, and I think that's what this is about, is how they didn't ship late anywhere. Um, you know, so it's like this giant operation that happens. So I don't know how much Todd is really looking at this stuff. And they're proud of this. This is like their biggest, most successful operation. So show it off. But it's really fun if you read this stuff. Like, I never collected toys, so I'm not that knowledgeable about how they're made. But so much of it, the, like, there's so many hands involved in them. A lot more than I just think of everything's like a machine. Like, they just stamp this stuff together. And not at all. Like, nine different parts is how Spawn starts on this conveyor belt. And then at the end, he's assembled. But it's people putting, like, you know, stick the left arm on, stick the right arm. Jimmy, like, one of the most heartbreaking toys uh, is the Kamala LJN action figure because of the um, tattoos on the tummy. And it's, you clearly see, like, overspray. And, like, no two Kamalas are the same. And you just know that, that there's a hand behind that. Yeah. And uh, you, don't, you don't know whose hand. I'm not sure if they say where these are actually being built. If this is... Um... Where that where this company where that factory is, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's the part you want to remain invisible to, man. And and you know that can apply to almost anything that we have parts of. Of course, yeah, with, with global a, a, trade like anything that's that's affordable, man. How much you think this this phone we're recording this shit on? If it was made in Wichita, what that what that shit would cost? Ten thousand yeah, exactly. dollar phone, five thousand dollar phone. The placement's so great too. You know, it's your magazine, it's your character, and you run your uh, your toy ad full page there. I had this Angels and Visitations. I actually bought that in college at my... Uh, what, what is it? It's a game and collection of, like, short stories. And the one that I had was hardcover, and it came with a CD, or I bought the CD. Um, I don't think I have them anymore. They might be buried somewhere, but that was one of my early game and exposures. <laughs> Win all the image books for a year. Hilarious. Six or seven books. Wizard getting their, their plug, Wizard 42 at this point, and we just missed the Spawn 26 issue and more Spawn toys. One last thing to look at in this issue. There's no mention of, like, Angela created by Neil Gaiman and Todd McFarlane, and Angela, its logo, and its symbol are registered trademarks, 94 Todd McFarlane Productions, uh, all rights reserved. So big, big stuff that goes into the, uh, the deposition. It is a little bit surprising that you don't get, like, a... Uh, a Neil Gaiman creator mention in the Angela book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So issue two, picking up in the, uh, well, 
Some changes to the creative team. Mark Pennington is on board for Inks. Who was, who was on the first gimmick? Greg Capullo did all the art uh, on the okay. first one. So Pennington comes on. I don't know if that's uh, could be late, could be unhappy with the results, whatever it is. And Steve Olaf is now on colors. And this one dedicated to the late, great Jack Kirby. I'm trying to think of when he might have died. This is it was 93. January 90, was it 90, yeah. 93, not 94? I think it was 93. Okay. So a little bit of time's passed, but... Todd McFarlane never goes goes out of, or I mean, Kirby never goes out of style. Indicia is still the same. You know, there's no mention of Neil Gaiman as creator or copyright or trademark or anything. But it's all right, man, because Todd's going to treat him better than DC. <laughs> all right, so we left off with Spawn in the Alley and Angela's friends coming to get him to take him to heaven. It's an inspiring double-page spread, man. Yeah, it, it feels a little bit fourth world esque. It does, especially. I, I feel like there are layouts that are somewhat like this in those uh, issues of fourth world where we would see New Genesis. You know, another thing I was thinking about was um, <clears throat> Neil Gaiman through his body of work. He's got like three to five different hells in all of his work, and he's got several different heavens and stuff. You know, there's American Gods that has some, some yeah, right. of that stuff. Certainly, very famously in Sandman, he has his versions of that stuff. I wonder, like, is there any, like, secret connective tissue? Uh, how do you create a new hell, like, with new rules? Like, it's an interesting notion doesn't come up with every creative person, but he definitely has a few different versions of heaven and hell, and it makes you miss the best of what he does you know like when when you're dealing with you like sandman lucifer and stuff but here you got to deal with malbosia <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> it is bizarre like what a specialty to have <laughs> alan moore's probably got quite a few under his belt. i think he does yeah absolutely uh i was looking at this and thinking like color scheme you know we're trying to represent heaven spawn being a hell warrior and how dark spawn typically is colored so like you know you try to do almost like the opposite here to try to create that this is a different place yeah i mean it's all cool colors for well i mean there's those golds and stuff but i mean he's got the he's got the dominant red and certainly brighter no big black being spotted anywhere yeah that's that would always be such a deficiency when you would see yeah, these pages in black and white you know when you would go up to say greg capullo's table at whatever comic-con and you see these like coloring book illustrations with titty ladies or something <laughs> Weird choice that this green border, like, how isn't this just a full, full bleed? Yeah. I don't know that the green border is adding anything. It might, it might further push that idea of, like, you know, the black borders that so many spawn issues have. Uh, again, if you're trying to create a different setting, might be a little bit of that. The spawn costume is going bananas. Uh, you know, clearly it's uncomfortable with where it's at. They're in the trophy room, and he sees, like, the, uh, you know, some, some more spawn trophies like this I, is another spawn it's like giant spawn it's so good because like G gaiman would be good at this and and if uh you're you're on the ball as like a creator like todd todd could have done stories like with all this like little shit that uh no gaiman set up and no gaiman in a deposition like talked about it like like i'm putting all this like little stuff in there so he's introducing all these other angels like you could do fucking whole comics about like this guy becoming becoming uh, a trophy on her wall and stuff so it is true like there when you're dealing with like a monthly series like it's not a bad idea to have these little tidbits and that's a fun thing when you're reading through sandman and, and seeing how 
uh, all this stuff kind of connects at a later date. He just kind of sets himself up for stuff. Yeah, that is kind of, I think, a writer, like an ongoing writer's mentality, probably. It's very smart. The costume's like making noises, it's groaning. So I guess it's the first time we start to see this kind of stuff happen with the Spawn costume, and and it, it's going to go wild places throughout this the, the series, and it fucking rocks, man. Yeah, there's some, some pretty cool stuff that comes out of that. Uh, this is the court-appointed lawyer for Angela, and uh she's a youngster calls her a child and stuff she's only 200 years old yeah so she's no uh she's, she's not quite a newborn but also this is her first case like this is clearly just a setup this whole everything is against her this this legal proceedings are just set up for a conviction and you get some flashback of pretty much spawn number nine still still the blood splattered face I feel like the blood should be like black, like crusted up at this point, like outlaw blood. Right. But I guess that wouldn't work on the black eye makeup or tattoos or I don't know what that is exactly. But lots of them have it, but not the lawyer. Now we see uh, the hell and the heaven forces here having their confab. Like there's a spawn in heaven. What's going on? We got a deal. You're, you're, you're uh, breaching the contract here. And this is like the most kind of inoffensive devil in existence. Like he's a real like wuss and corny and lame also he really should have a little dingus yeah i'm very underwhelmed by his design as well as violator i am not a fan of either of those. yeah you're really not you're, you're definitely on the record for that i was a big violator fan i like violator better than him like that's just yeah just no, unimpressed yeah nobody respected melbogia as being anything and you know like in this example if you just made melbogia the bigger guy it might be enough to at least have some sense of menace. Like it's just a ineffective looking character. Right. Cause like it doesn't help these exact same color as the background either. <laughs> right. When he's uh, in the comic, it never feels like he's really pulling any strings. Like if Jason Wynn is a bigger <laughs> villain than the guy who's running hell, you did it wrong. Yeah. Agree. Is this one of your uh, font choices that you're complaining about? You know, it's not in, and uh, it was, I haven't seen it, so I wonder if the trade paperback did something different or something. Yeah, it's possible. Because I'm not seeing like the, the the bad stuff. I was thinking that there is no um, like this doesn't get reprinted, right? Like whatever copies exist, that's it. Yeah, I guess just that one trade. Yeah, I have no idea how that one would have sold, but I mean, I think that's all of them. So there's the uh, the giant spawn, a little bit of the giant spawn action being shown. And uh, <laughs> you see the costume freaking out, right? Oh, it's gonna go! It's gonna go nuts, man! That's so fun. And as we're approaching, like going to tr well, first they tell him try to look not like Spawn. Right. You're gonna be in a room full of angel hunters that would love to kill Spawn. Try to look better. So he turns into like his human version. And then this is your trial thing with all these alien life forms. They come to uh, to watch this big big trial. I guess this doesn't happen too often that an angel gets put on trial like this. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I just noticed that. Yeah. Homer Simpson. Yeah. It looks looks like white noise. Totally. Like there would be great examples of this kind of thing with like say Art Adams or people, but but this just looks like nonsense. Like like the um the image guys like. They really just wanted to draw cool characters and fight poses, and anything that deviates from that, they are fucking not interested, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Mark Pennington is not having fun inking all that stuff. For sure. And then it's just a just a mouth, just a floating <laughs> mouth there talking, trying to keep this thing interesting. Now tell me that spawn isn't kind of cool, man. I do like this spawn. He freaks out here as uh, you know he's getting ready to be put on on called to the stand by the defense, and uh, <laughs> all of the spikes are out. Yeah, I like that one. Although a, uh, a tepid pose, like he's not in attack mode, it's just the costume spiking out around him. And even the skull belt buckle getting involved, opening up its Turned mouth. Turned to a damn cod piece. <laughs> Ready to bite somebody if you come too close. Penal detente. I was thinking an Angela hunting Lobo would be a fun, a fun fan comic. <laughs> Gaiman is funny on the stands too, man, on that deposition because he's talking about how much he cares about Angela and shit like that, man. This is a repeat sequence from uh, issue one when she thinks about whether to fight everybody or go along willingly. And it's kind of that same moment. So it's almost like the visual version of whenever uh, we see like the same caption two or three times, you get to see that repeat in the art. I'm going to be paying attention in issue three. See if we see it one more time. Yeah, three three's the charm. Bush Miller tells us that. So once Spawn is exposed, it's like guards destroy this creature. This is a good, I think that's a pretty cool one too. Very Neil Adams-esque, that pose for some reason or point of view maybe. And uh, Angela, her deliberation is, what do I do here? Because this Spawn's going to get butchered and he was up here to help me. So she joins the, help him get out of there, tells him to run. And off they go through the, through the group of people so that the guards can't just open fire in this courtroom full of people and uh, try to get away from these guards, fight their way out, although not much of the fighting happening, even though we see some of those lances pointed at them, and they just go through the wall, start to free fall, and uh, do, do the trick with your cape is pretty much what she's saying, like teleport us with that cape. And that's kind of a Neil Adams composition where you take yeah, the image and, and break it up. The, you think of the famous Beast mm -hmm. from X-Men page. Totally. Kind of fun to see these little snippets of, of, uh, of artist influences popping up here and there. And you see they're folded up in the cape and they just disappear. And it's just cape is left behind. They think momentarily that they got them. But of course they don't. And where are they? Some level of hell. Whenever Spawn teleports in desperation, of course he's going back home. And that's where they're at now. Finds a candle to light using his power to light up this darkness where they're at. Still splattered in blood. <laughs> Such a wild choice. A lot of a lot of power to be using, man. Teleported, and he's going to use some of his health meter on uh, candles. And his cape is gone. So they're sitting back to back, trying to figure out what they're going to do next, how they get out of here. She can't use her teleporting powers for some reason. His doesn't seem to work. And uh, she's a little bit cold. So uh, they talk about how their costumes love them. My and ribbons. This, is, this part feels like something goes wrong here. The ribbons and the chains start to get a little bit better. Are you sure you're not cold, Spawn asks. Well, I am a little chilly. And the ribbon and the chain intertwine, that's better. That's so much better. And there's even the sound effect. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a little fuck scene. You think? <laughs> so we get to issue three, and it's just like, wait, did that not happen? I like that pinup. Yeah, not sure who that, that is. is. Is that Mike Drindenberg? That would make, make some sense, I right? I mean, I'm looking at that, uh -huh. but... Kind of looks like his uh, his art a little bit. Some yeah. of this stuff really looks like the splatter and yeah. some of the scratching. Yeah, you know what it is? It's the computer coloring just like takes makes it hard for us to be able to tell. Cause cause at first I thought it was like Cybernary dude or something. Yeah, Nick Manabat. Image fan art dominated by Spawn, but not not exclusive. Or is it Angela pieces? 
Los Angeles pieces. Yeah, you know what? I think it's in the next one where it's like uh, this. This does look all Spawn like Spawn and Angela. The next one, I think it's just image fan art, and there's some other uh, characters, oh, that's like non cool. non McFarlane characters. Same back matter there. Ooh, love this text. Text covers so good. That, he doesn't do the interiors. So I think Valentino might do the interiors, and there's actually some good art in there. But I love that cover. It's really cool. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. I mean, I don't know what it's about, but a vampire with a person with AIDS blood, that can't age well, right? It's got to write itself. <laughs> that can't age well. Yeah, not too good. But Spawn 28 isn't looking any better. <laughs> <laughs> McFarlane would always say, like, see, those old guys, they just wouldn't draw, like, the contemporary fashions and blah, 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 blah. Like, no doubt she's going grocery shopping, <laughs> wearing this thing. And look at that. Like that's the main. She don't take dog. care of her pup. Like she needs. They need to call, you know, the, the code enforcement. All right. Can you hardly wait here, Ed? I, see, this is the issue I know uh, the best, man. Oh, cause, good. Because this is the one that that I got off the newsstand. I did. I mean, I read it all for this, but so I read this issue. Mark times. Pennington is still on inks. Todd Broker's back on colors with Fierce Color Graphics once again, and this one is dedicated to Susan Alston and the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. I wonder if this is when uh, Gaiman went on the uh, the uh, Comic Book Legal Defense Fund uh, cruise. And you know how Adrian Tomina wouldn't tell us who was uh, parasailing? <laughs> I do have confirmation that it was Neil Gaiman. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is that how uh, Bruce Beefcake broke his face was that yeah. a parasailing accident yeah 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 some some girl bumped into him and knocked his face off yeah man that was bad like he got hurt bad yeah he doesn't look like the brutus beefcake from adrian adonis all right so now we introduce smut and uh i don't know which one is actually smut it must be this this guy in yeah, the, I think so. the half tuxedo half bat costume Sure. I don't know what these creatures are, but no mention of like, I read this and I'm like, did I miss a page? Is something missing? Because she's like, no, I don't appreciate your point of view on this, nor do I intend to. And it's like, what are you talking about? What is going on? Yeah. Very strange. No mention of the ribbons and the chains commingling from the past issue. I don't know. I don't know what happens. Very odd. But nevertheless, these creatures now show up look at that like doll girl character so british that's almost a rug rat or something right yeah like those giant bug eyes like it's it's those those british writers this is the kind of stuff that they will include that is just so different from like the american writers are we to interpret that they had relations i mean that's how that's how i Cause like it. spawns bracelets on a rock over here yeah you know, it's mask is off you know, and then and then they finished, and they were like, ugh, walk of shame. Like, see, they're going to have to take a walk of shame across hell to get through that little door. And she's still covered in blood. So Spawn grabs this uh, creature and is like, what is going on? Where are we? I don't know that it's a bat. I was thinking those were ears, but it's now like a that little, I look at it, it's... Yeah, it's like Dior and Quinch alien guy. Little creature of hell. Yeah. Did, didn't make the cut to go to uh, the Lucifer... Uh, hell from Sandman and she's gonna hazard that it's not answering because some idiot just told it to be quiet yeah yeah. The, uh... yeah I mean this is the cheesiest of all of them man where where he becomes the the go-between between spawn and Angela and I guess it's like what they would call a, a, a Jim Brooks joke 
where you don't do something once if you could do it 50 times. So it'll become a thing where page after page after page is Spawn saying, can you tell her this? Yes. Yeah, that feels almost Peter David-esque. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like, just keep really banging this drum until we can't help but acknowledge it. The Jimmy jokes. <laughs> All right. So they're trying to figure out how to get out of this place, and there's a gate that will lead lead their way. It's funny because, once again, we have the steps that seem to go nowhere. It's just a gate in the middle of the sky that these steps lead to. But you have to fight your way through a bunch of warring demons to get to that, those steps. And, and that's all. So that's what we're going to see here. Yeah, it's it's real good for visuals because like the story really is pretty thin. The most ineffective punch panel of all time. Well, I mean, it's a kayfabe punch. You know, it's a working punch. That is a working punch. <laughs> and this is the shit that Gaiman was talking about in the depositions where it would be fun to write a scene of people just punching each other. I've, I've never done that in my comic. It sounds so good, but it's the art is just indecipherable. It is. Like, I can't point out a character or how many characters they're punching or sword fighting but, or whatever. But that's what Capullo's um, Spawn comics grow into. Just like these like kind of like really fun to look at incomprehensible messes. Like what McFarlane does, you know, in his own penciling, he'll add like a million like McFarlane tick marks. And then McFarlane has to like one-up that and add even more. And then you got Steve Olive kind of just doing his thing. Yeah, always the colorist I feel bad for. Because <laughs> they have to ultimately try to make this thing make sense. And it can be hard to decipher with color like once they've been through it. Some of that black and white art, I don't know where you start. Roy G. Biff. <laughs> Roy G. Roy G. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> All right. They get to their doorway and they just jump through and onto the next whatever and Smut's coming with them. Smut has annoying lettering too. That might be part of what I don't like about him. Yeah. See, like I, I don't, wouldn't doubt that that's like, you know, some sort of mandate or something that, that, uh, McFarlane asked for. And, and by the way, like we, we brought it up in the earliest, um, wizard episodes, all this stuff with like Spawn having his own dialogue bubble and you see a lot of different fonts and things in the early Spawn comics, I do think that it was all in answer to the work that Gaiman did with um, Sandman, with, with Todd Klein, doing different um, fonts mm -hmm. for like each of the Endless. That makes sense. There's that dog character, Mar Martin Tenbones, that, that has, has this kind of font and things. And there was that one very distinct image of the guy who was who was kind of bound by chains, like hanging from a ceiling from, from uh, the, one of the Sandman comics. And like, that's the Billy Kincaid mm -hmm. piece. So McFarlane was very inspired. Like it was a big coup for him to, to get game in. And boy, that all just went off the rails. It sure does. All right. So this is the point once they go through the gate where Spawn and Angela separate now, they're all blood splattered, by the way. Angela's like more blood splattered. Spawn's pretty blood splattered. I do like the uh, the blood splattering as, as part of your character design. It works for me. And this is going to lead back into the Spawn series. Like, he's dumped out, I forget where, Kentucky or somewhere. Somewhere in the south. Like, oh, yeah. way outside of his usual uh, New York City alleys. So, when I got this third issue, it was the issue that, uh, well, it might have been a little later. But, like, these little, I, I think it's the same kids, man. The famous one with um, Spawn hanging by the neck on the cover 
where uh, they're like the two brothers that get abused by the, the cop father and like the little boy shoots the dad and, and Spawn is like staying in a tool shed. Like the, all that comes comes from, from this right here. I had a kayfaber send me that issue like early in cartoonist kayfabe days is like, you need to read this or yeah. reread it or whatever. <laughs> it's a serious issue for some people. It, 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 it was on the news. It was on um, hard copy and oh, stuff geez. like that. It was, it was really like heavily promoted in that way. Like it was um, very offensive to like little grandma. Like I just remember it's like old grandma, like my boy, I let him get a comic and he came home with this thing and, there's a little boy shooting her daddies and probably very offensive to many cartoonists as well. <laughs> Not this one. I was checked out of Spawn by like when Greg Capullo comes on is whenever I leave the book, I would see issues and I had friends who liked it at that point. So like I kept up and I would see it and I thought it looked good, but I was just out like that. Was totally. Just, once would, it went off my, my reading habit. It, it's it didn't come yeah, like on. those first, like the first like year and change, the second Greg Capullo comes in, I'm done. Like, okay. cause, cause even when it's Todd McFarlane on credits with the shoelace face, you could tell that's not Todd McFarlane. Yeah. You could tell it's not him. Like he's got, he's got a ghost. It might, it might be Greg Capullo. And then he's like doing some finishing over top, but you could absolutely tell that that is not Todd McFarlane on a hundred percent on, on those art duties at all. This is back at Angela's apartment or house or whatever she what, lives in. You got to tie it up. They all think that she's dead. She materializes in her bathroom, I guess, or closet or somewhere. Gets a bath, gets all cleaned up while they're mourning her loss. Got to have that scene, man. Then she shows up like a million bucks. Yes. All cleaned up, ready to go. But she's still framed for murder. Yeah. So what are you going to do now? See, like, I would be down with all of that. But then the way Coppola would do those eyes, I'd be like, I just can't have this. You're out on the eyes? <laughs> In that, they're too squinty, too close together. <laughs> I was so particular. So, how many of these panels are in Spawn Comics? <laughs> There's one light on. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta establish your scene. <laughs> this hardly even looks like Capullo, right? Like, it, it feels so... I don't know if it's late or what. I, I kind of like the silhouette with just the eyes. Now that's good. Yeah, that's good storytelling. And, and like her wing stuff you sticking could up. You, like you that's, could tell that's it's, all her, it's a good angle. It's menacing looking, coming out of the shadows. Pretty good stuff there. But she goes back to Earth to try to figure out like what the director of like this Earth embassy has done. And, uh, you know, of course she confesses to it and says nobody's going to believe you or there's no proof for this except Angela Smart and recorded it all. Of course. Mm-hmm. Didn't see that one coming. I like when she's like, I got it. Good night. <laughs> and it's like the sign off of fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> she just landed like the perfect 10 off of the vault. Straight up. <laughs> this is spinal tap. Because <laughs> it is like, there would be like metal bands that would have like, like a door Nordic kind of mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> it's so close to metal, but not quite. Yeah. Would have been good for Del Keown to get a little bit of a little Del Keown flavor on. You this. don't make Greg Capullo mad because he puts his <laughs> no. guitar solos up and shit on his on his uh, Instagram. You know he's 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 a thrasher, dude. That's funny. This is still early '90s though, so you're coming out of like hair hairband uh, era. So I, I feel like that works. Yeah, yeah, we're glam rock. <laughs> there you go, glam rock. Yeah, that's right. Sebastian Bach and those cats and shit. And of course, speaking of glam rock, the moon. <laughs> 
So she goes, she uh, clears her name and decides that she's done. And here's your three panel repeat. Oh, there it is. Thinking about what she wants to do. And she quit from now on. She's her own boss. I feel like there's stuff about freelancing in here. And especially when you consider like Neil Gaiman deposition several years later, some really interesting stuff. Like you don't have to just work for the two, the, the big two, the heaven and hell, the Marvel DC it's uh, it's pretty good. She's going Ronin. Yes. This character will show up a lot in the Greg Capullo run, I think. I remember seeing that kind of hair and stuff. And you know, this is a setup. Like Angela could have spun off into a series now, because they even talk about like some place that's at war and they're looking for officers. You know, like if she becomes this freelance person, and again, somewhere in the future you get a Lobo crossover, but an intergalactic angel for hire, you know, work in the uh, Star Wars circuit. He leaves this character set up to be like. There you go, Todd. Go run with a series of this. But drawing her would be very hard. Making I, her look right all the time. Like, she looks cool in the money poses, but she would be hard as hell. That costume would be tough to draw. You know, second only to uh, Jack, Jack of Hearts or whatever. Jack of, Jack of Diamonds, whatever that one yes. Marvel character is. Like, good luck. It's so, like, they're so ornamental. Like, if the three of them are all traveling around... Kyle Baker ain't having none no, of that. No, no, that's not a... Maybe have him do, like, a, a redesign on, on these <laughs> characters before you launch the ongoing series. And then yet another uh, another Angel character that shows up to shut down. We got a new a new Angel going on trial. With those recordings now, she is found guilty. Another money piece. And she's back to her initial hunt for that dragon. Its uh, bones have been picked dry by the little animals, and now... I don't know, I guess she might need a new, a new uh, trophy room. I don't think she's living in Elysium anymore. We 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 start on that little planet, killing that dragon, and, and we bring it back. The arc is that she's no longer a team player. No, she's a freelancer. As I said, doesn't have to uh, doesn't have to work for just the big two. Way too magical for for like McFarlane. He he keeps he wants to keep his stuff to the streets. You know, he wants bricks and mortar. Here we go. <laughs> this is uh, Neil Gaiman is answering these questions. I'm not really sure why that is, but uh, for some reason, like he wanted to, he volunteered to do the letter column, Neil Gaiman. So this is Jomo Powell. Secondly, I noticed the photo at a toy manufacturing plant where the spawn action figures, vehicles, and play sets for Todd Toys are constructed. Is this factory in an Eastern country like China? I've heard very saddening stories that many large companies use the labor from other countries making huge profits in the process while the workers make less than minimum wage for their long hours. I'd hate to think that Todd Toys was involved in something like this. It just doesn't seem to fit in with Todd's beliefs at all. I wonder like whenever he stopped sending the love checks, if somebody brought this letter to his attention, like, hey, did you know Neil ran this letter? (laughs) (laughs) No more love checks for you. How does Neil respond? So Todd, what about those photos, huh? Are you running dog capitalist exploiter are you a running dog capitalist exploiter of third world countries, or as you claim, an innocent toy manufacturer? I think the people deserve an answer. What the f- <laughs> Todd, you ain't paying no attention to your own propaganda. Like, this is- Todd, what are you doing? Here's another letter. I'll count that as a vote for Todd as running dog capitalist exploiter of the third world, then. Todd, you weren't paying enough attention to your comics, man. You're paying these dudes money, and they are they are smack talking you. And then he runs he runs this kid's hockey picture. I think this is Mike Gaiman. I think it's the second guy from the left, and uh, names one of these is the is the goalie. I think this might might become the goalie at some point. I don't know. Like, what, what is this? Oh 
Wow, that because I was checking this out in a trade, but it doesn't have that stuff. It's pretty shocking that that's in there, right? Yeah, incredibly shocking, man. Like Todd is not paying attention. He, Todd, what's the what's the old saying, man? Like 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 uh, the truth is in the hands of the person who who, who runs the presses or something <laughs> like. You run the presses. Nobody had to see that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who this artist is either, and I feel like that's kind of an interesting pinup. I mean, especially once you factor in, like, the stained glass-looking background, like, there's a lot going on in that one. Yeah, they made their money's worth. And Gary uh, Quapiz, he's a guy whose name I, I recognize. I feel like he's done a bunch of uh, kind of jobber, like, Marvel comics. Yeah. Um, but... Like both those pinups. Here's that image fan art that I was talking about. So they would run this in so many of these image comics, but like Cyblade and Grifter and Ripclaw, you know, it's not all Spawn. There's certainly, you know, Spawn and Angela are represented, but it's kind of a cross of uh, just image characters in general, disproportionately in Spawn's favor, but still. I mean, there's just more copies of Spawn out there anyhow. And I didn't recognize any of the any of the names, although some of them might be future uh, cartoonists. Not sure. Same back matter, cards, Spawn ad. And Spawn Toys. How big were Spawn Toys, man? They just exploded, right? I mean, this is year one of Spawn Toys. Yeah, but this is still like a different wave. Like this is the second wave. Mm -hmm. And and like I was on board for those first two waves. I had uh I had all of the first one. I had Commando, I had Cosmic Angela, and then I had the Liefelds band plus Dutch. But I didn't have Shaft. I had I bought a couple of these toys over the years. One was the Super Patriot, which would have been I think maybe the season after this or so. But it was Eric Larson's Super Patriot. I liked that one. And Shadowhawk got a got a figure that was pretty cool. Oh yeah, from I never seen the toys. They were hard to find, and and <clears throat> and even in this time, it was fascinating and really cool to see like these offshoot like like a Bad Rock in Hills Department Store and stuff. It yeah. felt punk rock because. Like just the the story that you were sold on the image dudes, it really felt like a DIY venture that that sort of broke into like suburbia or so like you know mainstream corporate kind of confines. It's fascinating to me like how many toys he has made that aren't spawned, but just like the licensed stuff, Huge. like where the wild things are, stuff like that, where they're like totally stylized Hansen, to that line. Hanson Brothers slap shot figures, dude. Beatles, Yellow Submarine, you know, like it's it's remarkable. Like when we were talking to him, that was something I was curious about, like how they figure out licenses, like how involved he is in which licenses they go after, because it's like I didn't keep up with this stuff, you know. So when we talked to him, I looked into it and was amazed by the by the variety of figures that he has made. Yeah, to this day, I was uh, just you know it's Christmas season, doing a little shopping, and uh, in the back section now at the height of things. There might have been two aisles in a um, Toys R Us uh, that would just be the McFarlane aisles of all the stuff. You know, Spawn would have a whole wall, and then it would be like you know the Hanson Brothers, and then the football and, and hockey figures and shit like that. Um, yeah, all the sports stuff. Yeah, that was a big one for a while. He, he took over starting li like starting mm -hmm. lineup went away, and it, it just became McFarlane stuff, more boutique, better designed. Because let's face it, those starting lineups, man, they didn't look like shit. Did any were any figures great before McFarlane came along? You're right. Um, so what exists now down if you go to your, your local Target, um, like Adam West Batman, McFarlane, McFarlane. Wow. Yeah. That's that's 
Yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, I don't keep up with any of it, but whenever I see them, it's like, man, that looks, I'm sure those look really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, and it fits the motif. It's not like McFarlane style. It's, it's a clean, slick, Mike Allred-ish, Mego kind of. I wish he would have uh, spent a little bit more time talking to us about toys because I, I like view it through the, the, the window of like entrepreneurial, right? Like he starts this thing to make, make his own toys and then like it explodes, right? Like I'm just so curious as to how that happened. Hey man, we could get him back. You want I, me to go emo Shannon? I'll go emo <laughs> Shannon right I after this. I do think from like a business, it's it's really interesting just because like that's kind of what you do, right? You're trying different things and then something catches fire and it feels like the McFarlane toys really were that thing where it just became every every toy figure you could think of, McFarlane was probably involved with. Even if he didn't win the license, like I bet you he was you know, involved with almost all the figures that have come out in the last 20 years, that's at so, least on the pitch level. That's so funny that you say that, man, because I bet you, I bet you there are like a lot of like, you know, he paid some dudes to, to sculpt stuff to, to present. There's probably for every figure that exists, there might be something that didn't get to see the light of day. It's got to be tip of the iceberg, the actual like finished figures in terms of all the art and prep and sculpts and sketches and stuff that go into that. Yeah. Um, I remember somebody from McFarland Toys talking to us at some point or from McFarland working for McFarland. I don't know if it was specifically the toys, but talking about like how those figure designs would go and like Greg Capullo, I think would draw some and just like how fast these dudes were, you know, which you often hear about various cartoonists and things, but I think you have to be, I think it's like that concept art of like, just churn out these designs, make a revision, do another another round. So, anyway, there's your Angela in uh, you know mid '90s kind of comics time frame. Obviously, led to that gigantic court case battle. Ten years of uh, trying to sort out all those rights. Three big cases. And now Marvel has this character. Is that the deal? Yeah, but but they don't even use her anymore. I don't think. I like. Of course, I don't keep up with any right. of that stuff. But I think she's. Uh, well, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I don't I don't know all those details of how that worked I out. I figure we'll get to it as we go through this case, as, as the case continues to unfold. And anybody that hasn't been listening, those depositions, um, we have all of Neil Gaiman's depositions are either up or will be up as of tomorrow, whenever you're, you're watching this, tomorrow or next week. Um, but we're going to keep going through that and kind of unpacking it, because it is interesting. And to think, like, from trademark Todd McFarlane to owned by Marvel... What a strange character. You know, the other the other book that I would want is Octobriana and Angela uh, right. doing some kind of a crossover. So I guess Marvel would have to call me for that one. This um, is... But man, what a journey. This is some of the most expensive comics ever freaking created. It's quite a story. You know, if you're if you're Greg Capullo and this is part of your history, like what a what a strange piece of comics history to be a part of. It would be fun to see like what his POV is from this thing. Totally, like from an objective point of view. Now he he drew some stuff in like the recent spawns and things, so so it wouldn't be that objective. But uh, he was there. I can't imagine trying to sort this stuff out. You know, like if you're the work for hire artist in the middle of this kind of stay thing, stay the hell like, back. Yeah, like uh, what, what's the what's the good fella shit? Fuck you, pay me. Yeah. Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> trouble I bet he trouble did with all right. the bills? <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. No more love checks? Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here, man. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design, man. Hulk Grand Design. 
is what's out there for me for the foreseeable future. I'm going to start posting sketches and behind the scenes stuff on my Patreon. So join me on patreon.com slash Jim rug to kind of keep up with, uh, I have stacks of artwork from this book and I plan to show off a lot of it, uh, as we lead up to release. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue number one, hitting the stands in February, going to be coming out on a monthly basis, get a put on your pull list. Uh, those orders got cut off because of ransomware attacks at the distributor's office, man. So that's going to be a scarce number one that you got to make sure you get your hands on, uh, get a put on your pull list. Like I said, you could order pre-order these comics in my link tree in the description below. Jimmy has link tree as well to the Patreon, to all that stuff. What else? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter also at the links below this video. And you can find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise under this video as well. Give them those merchandise, Jimmy. We're going to be on our way. Read more comics.